Welcome to Retro Rewind, Pinal Central's new sports-themed podcast, where we talk to former Pinal County athletes and discuss memorable moments in local sports history. This podcast is brought to you by Casa Grande Jewelry and Pawn. We bring integrity, honesty, and customer satisfaction is our number one priority. We are a family-owned and operated business, and we treat our customers like family. Start off the new year by checking out our amazing inventory of guns, jewelry, and more. Located at 1326 North Pinal Avenue in Costa Grande. Open 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday to Friday and 9 to 4 on Saturday. Our phone number is 520-836-7774. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Retro Rewind. I'm your host, Brian Wright. And I'm joined by my co-host, Maria Vasquez, and our guest today is Savannah Bix. She is the head coach for the Post and Butte girls basketball team, uh, entering her third season as head coach. And uh, Savannah, thanks for coming on the program today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I looked up a previous podcast, and I'm a lot less cool than a lot of the people you guys have had, so it's definitely an honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, we think you're pretty cool, so, um, you know, that's why we have you on today. So it's really a crazy time right now um, for high school sports. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a crazy time in the world, obviously, but uh, this, this the coronavirus uh, impacts high school sports uh, very heavily. And, of course, here in Arizona, it's had quite an impact on winter sports, you know, where uh, just a, a week or uh, a little over a week ago, you know, there was a vote to cancel the season. Then four days later, that vote was reversed and we're moving forward um, with some additional measures in place, including masks uh, for everyone, including the players. So, you know, how, how are you doing right now? How are your players doing uh, kind of adapting to everything? Um, we're just thankful, to be honest, to, to be able to play. I know there's a lot of states out there and a lot of other athletes that aren't being given the privilege to play. So I think, number one, uh, we're grateful. Um, number two, I think it makes us all a little hungrier. Um, the kids have, I mean, they deal with adversity in many different ways. And, I mean, not even just this year, just in general. And they haven't really batted an eyelash, to be honest. They're... Uh, you know, we talk about mental toughness a lot, and this is, you know, for the entire world, we're all in the same boat. I mean, this the past year has been crazy and chaotic in a lot of ways, but um, it's a learning experience for the kids as well, just that uh, certain things are uncontrollable, and a lot of the past year has been, you know, uncontrollable factors, but what we can control is the response that we have, and um, they have, you know, kind of hit the ground running and haven't really, you know... I don't know. They, I mean, they're they're tough kids. So I'm shocked at how well they haven't. Uh, you know, their the masks are different, but we started that back in December because we were hoping to just be safer and everything like that. So we were a little ahead of the game as far as um, when the AIA put that mandate in. But um, yeah, they're they're just ready to go. <laughs> oh, so that's an interesting point you just made about the mask because you know I suppose any school. Um, could make its own decision on if they wanted to wear masks. Um, you know, I, I hadn't heard of any other schools uh, that were planning on doing that. Doesn't, doesn't mean that there weren't, uh, just none that I had spoken to. So uh, from what you're telling me, um, even if the AIA had not 
kind of made this mandate. You guys were going to play, uh, I guess, at, at least your home games or all your uh, games home or away with masks on? Um, I don't even know if it was going to be games, to be honest. We were – I can't even really tell you why. We just – kind of thought that if it were headed in that direction, we wanted to be ahead of the game. And then I know that some of the families felt a little more comfortable at practice with it, um, especially because we were in person in school as well. And so, like, we could have been as safe as possible, but they could be in a classroom um, and then been exposed that way. So we thought the masks would help so we don't have to quarantine and things like that. So we hadn't really gotten to thinking about what we were going to do for the games. Um, but yeah, once AIA said that, it was kind of like, all right, well, now we have to run for games and practices all the time. So it wasn't really a big deal. So now that that decision is in place and you're, you know, preparing for that, um, how do you think the girls are adapting to, you know, getting used to playing with them on? And how do you think that's going to look, you know, during actual games? Yeah, so the biggest challenge has been finding masks that work um, because there's so many different ones out there. Uh, we've had a lot of success with just, like, the basic medical, surgical ones. Um, we did play a game last night with them, and we didn't have any issues. The rest actually thanked us afterwards because they said that uh, they didn't really know what to expect either. And we were, you know, for, as a coaching staff, we were on them about, hey, keep your mask up because the AIA made it very clear that uh, it's going to be a big issue if the, the rest have to continuously um, remind the kids to put them on. And so we didn't have any issues last night. Uh, they stayed on their faces. Um, they all wore the surgical medical ones. And we had, you know, if you can call success with them, I guess that we had success with it. So, you know, I've, I've spoken to a couple other coaches, and I think that because of everything that's gone on over the last, you know, month plus, that all the uncertainty and, you know, all the different uh, factors going on with COVID-19, has caused, you know, maybe some programs to really um, have their numbers severely cut um, because either just players opted out or, um, you know, just didn't play for whatever reason. So um, what were, were, were the numbers in your program uh, impacted significantly by this? Um, honestly, not really. Um, we're a little bit lighter than last year, but we also are replacing like a lot of kids that graduated and things like that. Um, I definitely felt a lot better yesterday. So we have 20 girls total in the program. Um, and we were still able to fill all three teams because of the six quarter rule. We just play a lot of the younger kids six quarters and it's actually beneficial for them because a lot of these kids don't have a lot of game experience. So if they can get um, you know, a full four quarters in a JV game and two in a varsity or, you know, vice versa. Um, we'll definitely use that if we can. Um, so, like, when we went to Coronado last night, they only had 12 girls in their entire program. So they were doing JV and varsity with 12 girls. And so it made me feel a little bit better about our situation because I thought we were a little bit light, but I think everybody's in that same boat. So, um like, for example, we did look to fill all three games uh, for our entire schedule, and there's only one other team that we are playing all three games against. So all the other teams on our schedule, they either chose to have the freshman sophomore team or the JV team. And our team is pretty much combined, the JV with the 9-10, and so most of those kids are going to play regardless. But um, I think we're, you know, just judging off of that and seeing last night and things like that. I think we're in a better boat than, you know, a lot of other people out there. And I'm definitely grateful for that as well. All right, Coach. So, um, you know, uh, changing topics here a little bit. Let's let, let's talk about you. Um, 
you actually played high school basketball here in Arizona. And, um, you know, just what has this whole experience been like for you, you know, from back when you were playing basketball to now coaching? Yeah, um, I went to Flagstaff High School, so, you know, a lot more in northern Arizona than here. But um, it's funny to see a lot of the same faces that, you know, were around when I was in high school. For example, I talk about Coach Karen Self at Stephen Catholic a lot. Um, we played them in the final four of the state tournament, I believe, like my sophomore year. Um, and obviously she's still around. So when she saw me coaching, uh, it was kind of just a little nostalgic that she's still around and now I'm in a coaching role and things like that. Um, but it's, I mean, it's an honor because, you know, Arizona basketball gave a lot to me. So I'm blessed to be able to give a little bit back. And, uh, I had a lot of people in the Arizona basketball community do a lot for me and it's nice to kind of return the favor and, um, even rest, uh, like I think my first year, there was a couple refs that were like, aren't you the kid from Flagstaff? And I was like, I guess so. Um, and they remembered me from, from my high school days. And so it's, it's cool to be from Arizona and now to be just on a different side of it. So, you know, sticking just with your story, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to me. You know, we always talk about the don't judge a book by its cover. So I, I think it's kind of interesting that you are a younger coach. You got some tattoos. <laughs> you know, I just wonder, like, at any point, has that been like a topic of discussion among whether it was administrators, parents, or has that, has that kind of just, you know, people just accept you for who you are or has that, has that ever been like a, a point of discussion? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm definitely young and that's, uh, I think always a little bit of a shock because everybody on my staff is older than me. And so a lot of people assume that uh, like my staff is the head coach and people approach them thinking they're the head coach. And I'm like, no, it's me over here. Um, I just had my 26th birthday uh, a couple weeks ago, and so I took over posting when I was 23. Um, I was, you know, I, I was and I am young, and I didn't fully know what I was getting into. But um, yeah, I'm just thankful that uh, the AD gave me a chance because I know a lot of other athletic directors would have looked at, uh, like you said, a young 23 year old with tattoos like what are you doing trying to coach a high school uh, varsity basketball program but uh, Mr. Nazigger our AD over here has been nothing but um, as supportive as you can get and I'm, I'm grateful he gave me the opportunity um, as well as you know the entire administration at Post and Butte and um, everybody else but uh, no I mean I don't I think people are definitely surprised especially when the varsity game starts because normally with the JV game I'm just sitting back hanging out and then when the, the refs are looking for the head coach they rarely do their eyes come to me first but um, I kind of take it as a compliment like no one would actually think I'm a head coach so um, it doesn't bother me it, it is kind of funny that you mentioned that though. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think, you know, uh, now that you're in your third season, maybe eventually they'll get it that you are the head coach. Uh, <laughs> right. But so we're working toward that. Um, you know, I, but I think 23 years old, it's such a young age to become a head coach, um, uh, even of a high school team. So was that difficult for you to kind of take on that level of responsibility at such a young age? And then kind of a second part to the question is, you know, because you're closer in age to the players, do you think that really helps you as far as uh, your bond and your communication with the players? Um, I do. I do a lot. Um, yeah, when I came in at 23, I 
you know, like I said, I didn't really fully know what I was getting into, but I've always known that I've loved coaching and I've always known that it's kind of been like a calling of mine. Um, back when I was a kid, like truthfully a kid in Flagstaff, um, you know, the, the basketball community up there is super, super tight knit. I always volunteered for the local youth leagues and stuff. And so, and I helped out like my coaches with the younger leagues. And so I actually started like helping out and volunteering at 14 years old, which is crazy to think about. Um, and then when I was in high school and I started driving and everything, I actually was like a head coach of the city league teams and stuff like that. And then um, when I played college basketball my first year, I was hurt. And so my high school, or excuse me, my college coach found me a little uh, volunteer youth coaching job. And so it's always just been a kind of a part of me, just like basketball has been a part of my life the whole like my entire life since I was born really I was born into a basketball family um and then as far as like the players go I definitely think I'm more relatable when I came in I was I kind of set the president because I didn't want to be taken lightly because I was young and we I laugh about this with uh like the alumni and everything now about how when I first met them I was really stern and I was like all right you know we're we're gonna get you guys together and um they all talk about how they were super scared of me and everything. And we laugh about it now because truthfully I'm a big teddy bear and it just takes them a while to figure that out. Um, but I definitely think that uh, the players relate to me a lot more because, you know, as much as I all bring up my playing days and all that, I'm not somebody that, you know, did it years and years ago. Like I just went through this process. I graduated high school in 2013. So, you know, they joke and call me old, but really in, in all reality, it wasn't that long ago. Um, and I kind of let them, I think, be kids a little bit more. I let them listen to the silly rap music that they listen to because if that's what gets them pumped up, that's what gets them pumped up. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, from feedback I've gotten from them, they come to me with a lot more. They feel a lot more comfortable talking to me, um, which I think is why we've been as successful as we have been because I think when the kids know that you care about them, um, and you actually genuinely take an interest in their life, they'll do just about anything for you. And so the kids know I love them, um, and in turn, they work hard for me. And so we got a good system going on. Okay, Coach, so we mentioned this is your third year uh, uh, co uh, coaching at Post Butte, and last year was first time ever that the basketball program made it to, to the playoffs. And, you know, for you coming in and taking over this program, uh, what were your expectations for them? Oh, man. Um, I don't even know if I had expectations coming into it. I was just shocked that somebody gave me a high school program to be in charge of. Um, so I don't even know if I really made expectations my first year. Um, the first year was, you know, it was a struggle. We had, you know, my assistant coach is a firefighter, and uh, so she was always going to be just my assistant coach because, you know, with being a firefighter, you can only – you work 24-hour shifts and stuff. And um, we had a last-minute change of coaching staff for my JV team, and so we kind of had a tag team, um, JV and varsity together. And um, really, I think my first year, I was like, let's just get through this. <laughs> like, let's learn. Let's get better. Um, I only graduated two seniors that year, and so I had the majority of the team returning – so my first year, I don't think that I really had any expectations. I definitely wanted to be successful. Um, it was the it was Poston's first year in 4A because the previous year they were in 5A. Um, so it was kind of like a clean slate, to be honest. Um, I think I set more expectations the second year, where uh, you know we we want our big 
big thing was making it into the playoffs. And then my personal goal is I wanted to be region coach of the year, um, which we, I got co-coach of the year with some ski coach as well. And so, um, but every year we kind of amp it up. Now our, now our goal is uh, region champs and I'd like to, you know, win region coach of the year again. That's my personal goal. I tell the kids that they need to have very specific goals. Um, and I share mine with them so they know that we're all doing it, but yeah, no, my first year, I don't really think I had any expectations. I was just learning as I went and uh, just trying to get better. <laughs> so now we, we had a few uh, schools, you know, when they did reclassification um, recently get bumped up. And uh, <laughs> remind me again, are you, are you guys still in 4A or are you 5A now? No, we're, we're still 4A, thankfully. Still, still 4A. Okay, so um, tell us a little about a little about your current roster um, you know, you, you had a player, um, Taylor Reese, who was a, who was a really phenomenal player for you. Um, you know, she's no longer there. So now you got some new people coming in. Um, tell us a little bit about the current makeup of your roster. Um, young, we are young, very, very young. Um, we only have three returning varsity players. Uh, we graduated seven seniors last year we had a girl transfer to Hamilton and so it left us with three returners um so it has been it's been interesting it's been a learning curve um I'm almost kind of thankful that the season kept got kept getting pushed back because it gave us more practice time because who knows uh, how we would have looked if we actually did play in December but um we're young but these kids are are gritty I mean that's last night I was like my eyes were wide the whole game because I'm like, man, these kids are tough as nails. Like, they just get after it. Um, they're still figuring each other out. They're still learning how to, you know, play with each other. Um, truthfully, they're really inexperienced, especially because a lot of the kids that grow up in Santan Valley, they don't have a lot of opportunities to play games outside of their K-8. So they play maybe sixth grade, maybe seventh and eighth. Um, and those are usually like 10 game seasons and then that's it. And so they come to high school with generally less than 20 basketball games under their belt. And so it's really just about, you know, getting them experience and game experience right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're really young. Last night I started a junior, three sophomores and a freshman. Um, so very young, but no seniors on the roster so that we don't lose anybody. So the benefit is we have the same team this year and next year. So. We're young, we're inexperienced, but we, we have a lot of talent coming up the pipeline, even the younger kids. I mean, we're even, you know, we watch the local K-8 play and stuff, and we got, you know, even eighth graders that are excited about what we're doing that will be coming in. And so uh, young, but we have a lot of talent. So of those young players, which you have many of, as you just referenced, uh, are there one or two who you really think, like, you know, I, I see a lot of potential in this girl or that girl? Yeah, um, Adriana Bachman, she's, uh, like our starting two guard. She, uh, was one of the varsity returners. She also, she dropped 23 points last night. Um, she's gonna do really, really big things. She's definitely a one of a kind kid. She just takes everything serious. We talk about, um, mentality and having, we call it a dog mentality where you're just scrappy, you're relentless, you never give up, you do all the little things, and she definitely does that. Um, so she's going to be big time for us. She's still kind of figuring herself out. Like she doesn't really know her potential yet. Like she hasn't tapped into what she can do yet. Um, so, I mean, another year, I think she's going to be pretty scary. But um, she also has a twin sister 
who almost notched a triple-double last night. She had 11 points, nine rebounds, and nine steals. Um, she's not far behind her. She does all the, the little things that Adriana doesn't do. Um, and then we have a girl, a junior, Sierra Badger. She's our starting point guard. Um, she's kind of our four general. Uh, she's a good shooter. She's come a long way over the past year. And then um, we got a couple other good kids. We have a really good freshman who has – tough as nails and does all, all of our dirty work, gets all our steals. She's on the floor more than anybody else. Um, so I, we're kind of like, there's not even right now, like I don't even know who our number one like scorer or anything would be. I think honestly, we might have a different leading scorer every game. Like it might fluctuate that much. Like we're not super deep on the bench right now, but our starting five and our first one or two off the bench, um, they're all capable of, doing a lot for us and so I think uh if you ask me again in a month it might be somebody different so I but yeah we got a a lot of young talent in the program so this is technically a different experience for you I I mean we've talked about this already and last year you were really senior heavy and you know you mentioned last year was your second year you were already familiar with with these kids so Mm -hmm. um what's this year of practice basically you know been like for you coaching these younger kids um well I have changed absolutely everything I do (laughs) so the past two years we pretty much ran the same type of systems we did everything the same I coached the same um in the beginning of December I went through this like two-week period of like I was like man I do not know how to coach these kids like they're so different because they're like completely opposite of the group I had uh, the previous two years. And so um, it's been a lot different. I have, you know, sat up late nights and, you know, tried to, to learn more and, and, you know, become a better coach and stuff like that because I did, you know, I got pretty lucky having the, the same group for the past two years. Um, and so I kind of changed everything, revamped everything. We don't do like anything that we did the previous two years defensively or offensively so we're like completely brand new but um the benefit is I uh and I mentioned this to Maria yesterday uh when I talked to her but um uh, I I coached our freshman team last year because I couldn't find a coach and so I did I did both and uh then a lot of those I mean almost every single one of the freshmen played played up they played JV and freshman or freshman in varsity. Um, but I wanted them all to play together for at least a little bit. And so we, we kept them all on freshman for at least two quarters. And uh, we went 19-0, and 0 and we beat everybody by – I think there was only one game that was in single digits, and every other game we, we beat people by double digits, upwards of 20, 30, 40 points. Um, and so they're new to varsity but not new to me. And so I think that's a benefit that the vast majority of them have already played for me. Um, a couple of them I coached at Champion Charter School uh, in middle school. And so, um, you know, new to, to varsity Coach Bix, but not new to Coach Bix, I guess. Okay, so I have a question that's more about uh, Arizona high school basketball and um, specifically girls' high school basketball in Arizona because, you know, uh, having covered it for quite a few years like I have, um, you know, and, and this kind of goes – um, it's, it's a similar situation with the with the boys game too. Is that you know um, you have this kind of element that you don't see in a lot of different states, and that's these um, predominantly Native American high schools that are just mm-hmm. really really powerful programs. 
and they, they have this following and this energy that's just, you know, unlike anything you've ever seen. Of course, you played your high school basketball in northern Arizona. Uh, you're very familiar with all that. But when you look at Arizona high school basketball, uh, like specifically at the girls' level, how would you say it compares to maybe other states? And how does that element of, you know, we talked, you talked about the Seton Catholic program, which is another outstanding program uh, that's been around a long time. But programs like that and programs like these, um, like these, these red schools, they call it red ball, you know, um, how does that, um, how does that shape Arizona high school basketball and uh, what, how does it make it what it is? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm super familiar with red ball. That's like you mentioned, that's what I grew up with. And like, I'm used to playing, like when I was in high school, it was packed to gyms, like max capacity. Um, and like you said, we always had a huge following every year. We made the state tournament. Um, two of my four years in high school, we made uh, uh, the semifinals. And it was to the point where the whole way down the I-17, there's um, signs and banners supporting us and stuff like that. And it, it is the, the Native American community. I mean, basketball is really life. Um, and I think that especially if you have not been exposed to it, you have really no idea what it is. And so um, normally in a normal non-COVID year, we go up to Flagstaff and we play in a Pepsi tournament up there. Um, so we stay for about five days, and it's, it's in usually about mid-December. Um, and we do play a lot of red schools because I like to expose the kids to that kind of basketball because it is different. And it's not, I mean, there's not even really a way to describe it. I mean, a lot of people call it run and gun. And, um, but, I mean, it's just a totally different style of basketball. And so I like to expose them to it. And, obviously, we would have gone again this year if, uh, you know, COVID wasn't going on. But, um I think, you know, Arizona basketball gets overlooked in that sense. It doesn't have a lot of exposure, especially with, with the red ball and things like that. And then um, I think there's a lot of really, really good basketball players coming out of Arizona. I don't think we fare too well um, as a state with other states, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and I think that a lot is changing and a lot is uh kind of transforming and especially, you know, I obviously follow the girls basketball community a lot more than the boys, but um, with these prep schools popping up, um, a lot of like the really talented kids in the 5A and the 6A schools, almost, you know, the vast majority of them went to prep schools this year. And so a lot of them aren't playing AIA basketball. And so that has changed a lot of things. I think parents are kind of seeing some of the benefits of prep schools and things like that. And that's a whole big argument that I'm not going to get into, but um I think that Arizona basketball has a lot of potential. Um, I think that I wish there were more options for, for club basketball that were more realistic and um, cost-effective and things like that. But um, we definitely have a lot of talent in Arizona. I think it's just about getting the kids exposed. Your, your team uh, this year, I know we we talked about um, it's just quite a bit younger than what you're used to. But, you know, you had mentioned um, – previously just you know that you really take on a role that's more of just a coach like you you almost end up as like a, a mother figure in, in a lot of instances so um can you kind of explain that family like dynamic that you have uh with your team and and maybe a couple of instances where you know you found yourself in a position like oh well most other coaches wouldn't be doing this but here i am <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I uh, could probably talk about that for a long time. But um, so I a lot of, um, 
you know, what I do with my teams is a lot of what my high school coach did and uh, coach Tyrone Johnson and coach Danny Neal. They're like my inspiration and, you know, everything that I do as a coach, I, I pretty much learned from, from them. Um, they're the coaches up at Flag High still to this day. And uh, when I came in, you know, again, Flag not being a small town, um, they already knew who I was because just small town basketball and everything like that. But they really instilled that family aspect. And a lot of people talk about it, um, but I don't think a lot of people are actually like, we talk, I tell the kids all the time, don't talk about it, be about it. And we really are about it. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of, you know, again, in a non-COVID year, we do a lot of team bondings and we do a lot of things outside of basketball because I think that's where the kids learn about each other and they learn that oftentimes the things that they're going through, their teammates are going through. And, you know, they may be struggling with something and half the team is also struggling with something. And so it kind of breaks down a lot of the barriers and a lot of the walls. And, um it just kind of creates that family aspect of we're all in this together and um, kind of like a sisterhood type of thing. And you're willing to, you know, fight each other in practice, but fight for each other out of practice uh, against other teams and stuff. And um, I genuinely love what I do and I genuinely love the kids and they make my life, you know, interesting and they make my, you know, what I do worth it. Um and so I'll do anything for them because I know they're going to do anything for me. Like they'll run through a wall for me if, if they had to. Um, so, I mean, as far as the, you know, you mentioned the, the mother aspect of it. Um, to me, it's, I mean, it's just kind of what I do. Like, I don't really think I'm doing anything extra. I think that, like I mentioned earlier, if the kids know you care about them and you genuinely take an interest in their life, they're going to work hard for you. And that's a, especially nowadays, you know, maybe 30 years ago, a kid could know their coach didn't really care about them and still play hard for them. But especially nowadays, um, I think kids have to feel that connection with somebody in order to really work hard for them. And I think that's kind of why we've been as special as we have been the past few years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have a really good relationship with a lot of kids' parents. I'm willing to do, you know, whatever they need me to do. I, and I'm laughing as you're saying this because right before this, I was putting little snack packs together. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I am like, a, I'm a team mom. I'm not a coach. I'm a team mom because we, we make sure they have snacks on the away games and stuff like that. And uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of instances where I guess I do things outside of a coach's role. But to me, that's that fits in with my role so it's not like I'm doing anything extra I would do I would do whatever for the kids so it's nothing really special well that's all the questions I have is there anything else you want to add coach no no I just I appreciate you guys having me it's definitely an honor all right well that's going to do it for this episode of Retro Rewind and I want to thank our guest Savannah Bix for coming on the show thank you so much Savannah thank you guys This podcast is brought to you by Casa Grande Jewelry and Pawn. We bring integrity, honesty, and customer satisfaction is our number one priority. We are a family-owned and operated business, and we treat our customers like family. Start off the new year by checking out our amazing inventory of guns, jewelry, and more. Located at 1326 North Pinal Avenue in Costa Grande, open 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday to Friday and 9 to 4 on Saturday. Our phone number is 520-836-7774. Thanks for listening to Pinal Central's Retro Rewind Podcast. Remember to go to PinalCentral.com and our Facebook page to access future podcasts. 
We are also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite streaming services. We will catch you next time.